Instead of charging, the buffalo simply stared at this strange, outlandish creature and stalked off. Horseless and alone in Indian country, except for his panting dogs, George Custer began the long and uncertain walk back to his regiment. Like many Americans, I first learned about George Custer and the Battle of the Little Bighorn, not in school, but at the movies. For me, a child of the Vietnam War era, Custer was the deranged maniac of Little Big Man. For those of my parents' generation who grew up during World War II, Custer was the noble hero played by Errol Flynn in They Died With Their Boots On. In both instances, Custer was more of a cultural lightning rod than a historical figure, an icon instead of a man. Custer's transformation into an American myth had much to do with the timing of the disaster. When word of his defeat first reached the American public on July 7, 1876, the nation was in the midst of celebrating the centennial of its glorious birth. For a nation drunk on its own potency and power, the news came as a frightening shock, much like the sinking of the unsinkable Titanic thirty-six years later, the devastating defeat of America's most famous Indian fighter just when the West seemed finally won, caused an entire nation to wonder how this could have happened. We have been trying to figure it out ever since. Long before Custer died at the Little Bighorn, the myth of the last stand already had a strong pull on human emotions and on the way we like to remember history. The variations are endless, from the three hundred Spartans at Thermopylae to Davy Crockett at the Alamo, but they all tell the story of a brave and intractable hero leading his tiny band against a numberless foe. Even though the odds are overwhelming, the hero and his followers fight on nobly to the end and are slaughtered to a man. In defeat, the hero of the last stand achieves the greatest of victories since he will be remembered for all time. When it comes to the Little Bighorn, most Americans think of the last stand as belonging solely to George Armstrong Custer. But the myth applies equally to his legendary opponent, Sitting Bull. For while the Sioux and Cheyenne were the victors that day, the battle marked the beginning of their own last stand. The shock and outrage surrounding Custer's stunning defeat allowed the Grant administration to push through measures that the U.S. Congress would not have funded just a few weeks before. The Army redoubled its efforts against the Indians and built several forts on what had previously been considered native land. Within a few years of the Little Bighorn, all the major tribal leaders had taken up residence on Indian reservations, with one exception. Not until the summer of 1881 did Sitting Bull submit to U.S. authorities but only after first handing his rifle to his son, Crowfoot, who then gave the weapon to an army officer. I wish it to be remembered that I was the last man of my tribe to surrender my rifle, Sitting Bull said. This boy has given it to you, and he now wants to know how he is going to make a living. Sitting Bull did not go quietly into the dark night of reservation life, at the Standing Rock Agency in what would become North and South Dakota. Even as the number of his supporters dwindled, he did his best to frustrate the attempts of the reservation's agent, Major James McLaughlin, 
to reduce his influence within the tribe. Tensions between the two men inevitably mounted, and when a new native religious movement called the Ghost Dance caused authorities to fear a possible insurrection, McLaughlin ordered Sitting Bull's arrest. A group of native police were sent to his cabin on the Grand River, and at dawn on December 15, 1890, Sitting Bull, along with Crowfoot and Sitting Bull's adopted brother, Jumping Bull, was shot to death. A handful of Sitting Bull's supporters fled to the Pine Ridge Agency, to the south where Custer's old regiment, the 7th Cavalry, had been called in to put a stop to the ghost dance craze. The massacre that unfolded on December 29th at a creek called Wounded Knee was seen by at least some of the officers of the 7th Cavalry as overdue revenge for their defeat at the Little Bighorn. This is the story of the Battle of the Little Bighorn, but it is also the story of two last stands.